Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Hey, and welcome everybody and a big happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. You are amazing. We are just celebrating you today. We're believing God's best in your life. And I just want to say, uh, giving a kind of a shout out to the worship team today, um, I want to just say he is for you, moms, all the things that you saw, nurse, teacher, uh, comforter, all the things that you provide, cook, tech support, he is for you. In fact, after that song, I can't just say it one time. I want to say he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. I think we could just sing that as a song and just feel the presence of God. I want to encourage you moms today, uh, all throughout your days, actually every day, at some point in time, just remind yourself, he is with me. He is for me. And he's with you everywhere you go and everything you do. So we just want to say happy Mother's Day. And really not just to, in a sense, biological moms, but there's a lot of moms out there in a lot of different ways. There's adoptive moms and foster moms. There's stepmoms, moms-in-law. There's so many ways that you can be a mom. A, a, a spiritual mom is a big way too. And so we want to celebrate all of you today. And we want to be uh, just praying for God's best to touch you where you're at. I think this is an interesting time to celebrate Mother's Day. You know, uh, Mother's Day is always interesting uh, here and the church and in-person gatherings. It's like the second biggest gathering of the year. But maybe today is a special Mother's Day. Maybe you get to have Mother's Day service in bed. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe your kids will make you breakfast and you get the best of both worlds today. You get to watch church in bed and have breakfast in bed and be with everybody. I hope that's your morning today. But regardless, we know that God is with you and he is for you. Hey, and welcome everybody at Tree of Life Church. You saw the announcements and all that's happening. How you can be blessed and be a blessing. I just want to just remind you of a few things. And first of all, I always want to acknowledge your generosity. Thank you so much for all that you do, enabling us to continue to keep church uh, online, church at home. We look forward to in-person experiences soon. We'll let you know more about that in just a minute. But thank you for the mega food distributions to the outreaches to the hospitals and the mental health, mental health centers. And then coming up tomorrow, uh, we have baskets going out to nursing home nurses. It's National Nurses Appreciation Week. And, and we want you to know that you are being a tree life to lost and hurting world. And, you know, even in difficult times, you are pressing forward and living forward and even perhaps even shining brighter the life, love, and power of God than ever before. So thank you so much, church. I'm so proud to be a part of what God's doing in and through Tree of Life Church. So many great things are happening. I want to encourage you guys. To, I just want to let you know again, I, I can't get that out of, out of my mind. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And just hold on to that truth as we live life forward. You know, God's doing so many amazing things during this time, and we're just being sensitive to his leading and guiding. We're monitoring the news all the time, making sure that we're aware of what we can do, what we cannot do. Um, we're listening to the CDC. We're listening to our government. Uh, here in the state of Texas, if you're watching from somewhere else, we're following all the rules. Uh, we want to be wise. Uh, here's one thing we want to be careful of. We don't want our passion to override our wisdom. And so as much as we desperately want to have in-person gatherings, because we miss you so much, it's just not the same without you. We're still having church. And we're not even calling it a reopening because we've never closed. We're having just, we're not saying, we just changed locations. We're having church in your house instead of in this building. And so we are so blessed to be able to carry on the, the mission and ministry of Tree of Life Church during different times. And so we want to let you know after prayerful consideration and taking into, taking into account uh, the, 
the government or our Texas government's um, phase opening, we're, we're looking at um, just wisdom, and we want to let you know that we're looking at having in-person gatherings May 31st. So until then, enjoy our online experiences, our church at home. In fact, let's continue to press forward in this. Let's not just now coast because we know an in-person gathering time's coming. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep reaching out and all the things that we do. Um, in an in-person gathering on May 31st, we're going to follow all the guidelines and then some. We're going to be really mindful of how we can keep everybody safe in this environment as we get back together again. From seating every other row, having seats in between families or family units. We're going to have hand sanitizer and all kinds of things to also be mindful of what we need to do to be safe. Uh, we want to let you know if you're 65 or 70 or over, we want to encourage you to stay with a church at home experience. Uh, if you're not feeling well or maybe you fall in that, what they would say, a vulnerable category, then keep having a church at home experience. You're still part of the family. We still connect this way. And so all those things you'll hear the next coming weeks as we look forward to May 31st. Now, should things change, we are going to make an adjustment if necessary. So we want you to stay connected through our app and through our social media and all the things that we have to keep you informed of what's happening here at Tree of Life Church. But hey, God's moving and he's working and he's for you and he's with you. I'm just going to keep saying that all throughout the message today. And I want you to know that God is good and he is faithful. And I just have something in my heart today that I believe maybe will just really be a blessing to the moms in whatever capacity, that, that, that spirit, that gift of motherhood. But really, the principle is the same for all of us. So I want you, everybody to connect. Don't check out if you don't feel like you fall into that particular category. The word's for everybody, applicable to everyone, but a special blessing to the moms today. Uh, we're, in a, we're, we're actually going to wrap up a series today. Um, we're going to finish that I'll meet you there. came right before Easter getting ready really for the Easter service and looking at the scriptures. Two scriptures stood out, one right before the crucifixion and resurrection and one immediately following. There's a phrase that we, was used by Jesus and then by an angel. Let's take a look really quick. This is the, the, the foundation of our series called I'll Meet You There. Matthew 26, 32, New Living Translation says this, but after I have been raised from the dead, he's talking right before the crucifixion and resurrection. After I'm raised from the dead, I'll go ahead of you to Galilee and I'll meet you there. It's not over. Just because there's, a, there's a, a circumstance we've not faced before, you're going to be in the midst of your greatest challenge before. It's not over. We're still moving forward. I still want to connect with you. I still want to be, uh, be with you. And then immediately after following uh, the, the resurrection, um, there was an angel that came and rolled the stone away. Then there's an angel sitting on the stone when, when the three women came to the, the grave that morning to um, apply the, the, the spices and take care of Jesus' body, as was their custom. They could not do it before burial, so they were going to do it. Then when they arrived, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. There was an angel seated on the, on the stone, and, and here's what he said to them as they arrived. Now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, speaking of Jesus, obviously, and he is going, Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. You'll see them there. So right before they were going to face the greatest challenge of their life, Jesus was telling them, I'm going to meet you on the other side. And then an angel reminds him, hey, he said he's going to meet you there. And I want to encourage you this morning. He will meet you in those moments. He will be with you, never leave you or forsake you. But especially in those moments of challenges of your life, he'll meet you there. Now, I don't want to go back and review for time's sake the last few weeks. So I want to jump into today. And I want to talk about, and I'm terrible at titles, and actually after really working on this and working on this, probably isn't a good title. Maybe you can come up with one and let me know what you've decided would be a better one afterwards. You can text it to us. Uh, I'll meet you there in the future. I'll meet you there at a certain point out in front of you. And I want to open with this question. What are we more committed to? What are you and I more committed to today, the future or the past? 
Now, that's a great discussion question, and probably our automatic response would probably just want to say the future, but I don't know that that's necessarily true. Probably we would want to say the future, of course, but it's easier said than done. And it's not easy, really, to be actually committed to the future because we're so present-minded. We feel so drawn. We have a propensity in our human nature to, to, to be drawn to um, the past, what's familiar, maybe what's safe, what's, what's not unknown to us. The future has an unknown about it. And so we feel more comfortable. We feel uh, more drawn to that which we do know. And in fact, we're, we're more comfortable with the familiar than the unfamiliar. And in our human condition, we're heavily drawn to what is perhaps safe. Um, if we were to take an honest look, really, you know, and, and, and trying to answer that question, if you just take some time and just reflect back a little bit, um, listen to how you've been talking, uh, what you've been thinking about, what you've been saying, what you've been doing, what you've been focusing on, I think probably a lot of us would find ourselves really more focused on the past than the future. And yet the direction of faith is always forward. The direction of faith is always forward. It's God's design. God designed faith to be forward-thinking, because there's only one way, this is, gonna, this is gonna be so obvious, there's only one way to live life on this earth, and that's forward. In fact, just a simple illustration, if you have your watch, if you have your phone, if you see a clock, look at it right now, if you can see the second hand, is it moving forward? So God's design was for life to be moved forward, yet we struggle so much with our future, and we tend to find ourselves staying in what's safe and what's familiar. And you can just tell by looking, I'm looking at a clock now and it's moving forward. Now, I know probably some of you think, um, really, I don't think you ever look at that clock. I know I love to preach the everlasting gospel, but you know, there's, a, there's something in God's design in the movement of the earth that time is always moving forward. There's no other way to live, honestly. God designed it that way. And we fool ourselves if we think we can live in the past and we expend energy and we expend time and resource trying to live in the past, which is, um, which is, is, we're failing in doing that, to be honest with you. Life is to be lived forward. And I believe, honestly, in, in context of today, I believe there's a group of people that if anybody knows how to live forward or have an expectation of something in the future, I believe that would be moms. And moms of all kinds. I, I believe, you know, in fact, when, 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 when a lady is pregnant, they call it expecting. Even the term expecting speaks to looking forward to something in the future. Now let's take a look at 951. Um, let's take a look at Luke 951. And, and here's a scripture uh, right here that I believe speaks to the future and is talking about Jesus. And let's take a look at what it says. Luke 951, New King James Version. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him, being Jesus, to be received up, that he steadfastly, listen to this next phrase, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He steadfastly, steadfastly means unwaveringly. He unwaveringly set, determined to keep his face forward, to stay focused. And it says on to Jerusalem. Well, what was awaiting Jesus in Jerusalem? It was the cross. So Jesus, looking ahead to his future, had to unwaveringly set his face to his future. Now he knew what was to come. And yes, there was a cross. And yes, on the other side of that, there was a victory for everyone. And really this is the fulfillment of prophecy because Isaiah 50 says, and it says in Isaiah 50 that his, he set, Jesus would set his face like flint, like steadfast towards Jerusalem or towards the cross. In other words, he had to set his face unwaveringly, not to look to the right or to the left, not to look to the present or the past, but to look ahead to his future. I must move forward, he was saying. 
I'm determined to move forward. And it's not going to be easy, and there's going to be some bumps and bruises. And what we know that Jesus knew, there was going to be a crucifixion, there was going to be beatings, and there was going to be a horrible death, but yet he unwaveringly set his face to Jerusalem, set his face forward to the future. Now, Jesus, if Jesus had to set his face forward to Jerusalem, you and I have to be just as determined to unwaveringly, unwaveringly set our face forward to our future. Let's take a look at 2 Timothy 4. Here in 2 Timothy 4, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is speaking to his, his uh, spiritual son, his mentee, Timothy. And here's what he says in verses 6 through 8. New Living Translation, he says this, As for me, now Paul's looking back and reflecting on the past, but it's looking ahead to the future. He said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. I've lived my life. The time of my death, looking ahead to the future, the time of my death is near. It's somewhere out there in front of me. I'm not sure exactly. It's somewhere out there in front of me. But I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. It says this in verse eight. He says, and now a prize awaits for me. The prize awaits for me. I'm looking ahead somewhere in my future. There is death, but on the other side of that, of that pain and that challenge, there's a prize that's awaiting me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Now, listen, what Paul is saying, looking back in the past, he's also then looking ahead to the future. And he says, I know that my time is near. I'm not sure exactly when it is. In fact, Paul is writing about nine months before this actually takes place. And I think that's interesting in the context of today. Nine months, think about that, moms. Paul's looking ahead from a moment he's in right now to nine months. He knows looking ahead, there's gonna be a challenge. There's gonna be pain. But on the other side of the pain, there's gonna be the prize. And the challenge for you and I is, can we look through the pain of the future and look to the prize? Can we not allow the pain of the unknown, the fear of the unknown, the uncertainty, deter us or hinder us from looking and setting our face forward, knowing that, yes, there's pain in front of us, but there's a prize that awaits on the other side. And I love what he says here because he says, not just for me, but for all those. There's a prize ahead of you for all who are eagerly, eagerly look to his appearing. Now, we know just in the context of the scripture, truthfully, he's really talking about the second coming of Jesus. But let me talk about it in, in context of today. He's talking about when Jesus will appear. And can I say today, Jesus lives in our heart if he's your savior and Lord and he never leaves you or forsakes you. But there's times in our future ahead of us that there'll be challenges, there'll be bumps and bruises, there'll be pain that we know that Jesus will intervene on our behalf. It's as if Jesus will appear in that moment. Jesus will come to us in that moment. So my question is, are you longing for his appearing or are you longing for his answer? Because sometimes I think we get those mistaken. And we know that we can easily get focused on a need and looking for an answer. We want Jesus to intervene, to get us out of, or, or to meet a need in our life that, that, that's ahead in our future. What well, I think we get that mixed up. I think if we'll long for his appearing, just for him to be with us in that moment, the answer will come, but maybe we those flipped. And I love this passage of scripture and how Paul's describing it. And the prize is not just for me, but for all, and it says here, for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing, my question are you eagerly looking forward to his appearing, not just for his return, but him intervening in your life? Not for what he'll do, but for who he is. You know, Paul says this again, nine months before, and that, that, that's so striking to me, and he didn't know exactly the timing of all this. And, but I think in context of today, it's interesting because um, 
I, mean, I think back at the story, you know, today is Mother's Day, and, and I just want to give a shout out to my wife. She's an amazing mom, an amazing mother of two amazing girls, and really, she has been the backbone of the family, the glue, and, and she's just a great mom, and so happy Mother's Day to my wife, Jessamy, and also to my mom. We've had a wonderful mom, and, and even though I'm 52 years old, she's still mom, and she is an amazing person, and I know this from moms. Mom have, moms have this gift of looking ahead to the future. And not just from a birth experience or whatever, and I, but I remember when Callie was born. My oldest will be 21 May 19th, nine days from now. I can't believe it. That has flown by, and that makes me feel old to say that. She'll be 21 and nine days from now. But I remember the moment that we found out that Jessamy was pregnant and how excited we were. And then we began a journey of expectancy or expectation, looking ahead to roughly nine months. We, we, we had so many things we didn't know about, the unknowns of being pregnant, and, and we, we were looking ahead. It was just maybe there was a little bit of fear there. There was certainly some excitement, and, and the journey was long and, and perhaps longer for my wife than me because of the dynamics of her carrying the baby. Once that promise was... was was there had, had taken root in Jessamy, and we knew there was an expectation waiting for us at the end. And, and I'm excited even thinking about that moment. It feels like it was really, almost feels like it was yesterday. And because this was our first, we really didn't have a, an idea what to expect. We weren't exactly sure of the birthday, but we knew there'd be challenges, there'd be, uh, uh, there'd be pain associated with that. People have told us, the Bible tells us that there's pain in childbirth, but we knew through it all there'd be a prize on the other side of the pain, and that would be the birth of a beautiful baby. And now I, I can say then at that moment, we were eagerly looking forward to her appearing. We didn't know it was a girl at that time, but looking forward to, to her appearing. But it wasn't all that easy, a lot of challenges on the way. And as we drew closer to that day, it seemed like it got a little tougher. There was a lot more obstacle, a lot more challenges associated with that expectation. We were look, eagerly looking forward to her appearing. When we were reading books, all we could read, what to expect when you're expecting, everything we could read to educate ourselves. Uh, we were talking to people, and the best thing we did, uh, and, and one of the maybe toughest things we did was, was sign up for a Lamaze class. I don't, know, I don't know if they even still have Lamaze today. I don't know what that looks like, but I remember that class, and it was several weeks, and, and uh, I remember going into uh, one of those nights of Lamaze. We went into the labor and delivery room. If you're here in this area, it was at McKenna Hospital, which is now Christa Santa Rosa. At that time, they were remodeling the labor and delivery rooms, and so Lamaze was actually in. The, they wanted us to be familiar with the facility, so we actually were in a, a being, currently being remodeled labor and delivery room, probably 10 couples sitting around in a circle on the floor. We had a mat we had to bring. We had pillows we had to bring. And, and Jessamy would sit down on the pillows in front of me, and I would be behind her rubbing her shoulders and her back and helping her with the breathing things and just trying to create peace. And one of the nights that we had our class, the, the nurse came in and, and said, right as we were starting, this is so awesome tonight. It's amazing. It never happens this way. Right next door, there's a lady now that is in labor, going to be giving birth right next door to us. And so we're all like, wow, that is kind of cool, I guess. And, and all of a sudden, we heard the screaming. We heard this lady just scream in pain as a contraction would come. After a few of them, we could say, oh, our contractions are so far apart right now because it's like clockwork. And, and the contraction, she was screaming. And, and can I tell you, it wasn't like this exciting moment anymore. It was like, wow, that's, that, that sounds like it really hurts. That's kind of crazy. I'm trying to rub my wife's shoulders and put my hands over her ears and rub her shoulder. But don't listen, honey, don't listen. But the screams were so loud and I couldn't believe it. And the, the nurse at one point in time said, I'm going to be right back. And so she went and checked out in the, uh, to check out next door. And the lady just kept screaming. And when the nurse came back, I had switched places with my wife. And now I'm laying there and having her rub my shoulders and just calming me down and telling me to breathe. And I was just freaking out about the whole thing. Well, the nurse comes in and then she says this. She says, hey, this never happens. I cannot believe it. 
but this lady is just really not having the baby right now. And, and in just a few moments, I'll be over there and I'll be able to bring the placenta in here. And I like say, what did she say? And, and my wife said, she's gonna bring the placenta. Why would she do that? It wasn't in the, uh, it wasn't in the description of the class. We weren't, t- we weren't gonna see placentas and umbilical cords and all that. And all of a sudden I thought, that's not a good thing. And so sure enough, she came back over and she brings, wheels this cart in and there's this tray on top of it. And with this lady who just gave birth, her placenta's in, in there. I thought, what, does she have to sign a release or what is that? And so the nurse is like, come on, like, like we're little kids and, and we're gonna see like a little a baby bunny that had just been born. Come on, everybody, this is amazing. Come over here. And I sat back and I wasn't about to move and she really kind of prompted me and I didn't wanna be the rebellious one. So I, I slowly got up and, and looked at, and I couldn't believe it in this tray was this placenta. I just, I was looking for a trash and I was like gonna throw up. I'm like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. And I went back and laid down and everybody's looking at this placenta or whatever. My wife came back to me. I was curled up in the fetal position back on those chairs trying to find my happy place after seeing this lady's placenta. I felt like I had to repent to my wife and apologize. And I felt, I felt like, I said, honey, I'm so sorry. I, I, feel like I, I feel like I cheated on you. I just looked at another woman's placenta. Forgive me. I just felt this, felt this shame. I felt so dirty in that moment. I couldn't believe it. Why would you do that? Why would you bring a placenta in there? It was a traumatic experience, I gotta tell you. And after class was over, Anto, I kept thinking about, I can't believe that. I can't believe that lady did that. And I remember that night, I didn't sleep that night. I kept thinking about the lady screaming. I kept thinking about that placenta. I had nightmares for two weeks. I think for two weeks, I was dreaming about a giant placenta chasing me around the labor delivery room, trying to lasso me with the umbilical cord. And I was trying to breathe and protect my breathing to keep away from it. And I couldn't believe that that happened at that moment. Can I tell you, in that moment, everything changed for me. I was no longer eagerly looking forward with this expectation. I was wrestling with fear and I wasn't even the one carrying the child. And it's amazing how circumstances in our life can come in front of us and can, and can shape us or mold us or turn us. And we allow the difficulties, we allow perhaps the pain, we allow the experiences to deter us or hinder us from looking into the future with an expectation of good, eagerly awaiting. I think it's important for us all to understand that because you need to know and I need to know that even Jesus had to set his face like flint. Now, this, you might think, well, he eagerly went to the cross. And can I tell you, according to the scripture, he really struggled with that, personally struggled with that decision. In fact, it wasn't as he was just joyful to go to the cross. He yielded to the Father's will for the joy that was set before him was what was to take place on the other side of that. But here's what I know. On the other side of the pain was the promise. On the other side of the, the, the uncomfortable was the challenge was the appearing, and for, for us in that moment, it was the appearing of our beautiful daughter. Now in 2 Timothy here, Paul's having a moment, and he knows he's facing something, will be facing something before he has to receive his prize. He goes, I'm facing death, but I will receive the prize on the other side. And here's what Paul knew, the prize was greater than the pain that he would experience. And so that was his motivation to keep going, and I remember what Paul said. He said, in fact, that everyone can look at it the same way. Everyone who looks forward to his appearing will receive the prize. And I would say it this way this morning, his appearing, his presence, his power, looking forward to his breakthrough, looking forward to his deliverance, looking forward to his healing, looking forward to his victory, it's all wrapped up in his person. It's all wrapped up in his appearing. The question is, how do we eagerly look forward to his appearing? And again, again, I know that truthfully this passage is speaking to the second coming, but I think we can say it in this context, and this would be the principle, his intervening on our behalf. How do you eagerly look forward to his appearing in your challenge, in your trial, in your pain? How do you eagerly look forward to his intervening in your life? How do we eagerly look forward to his appearing? It said, Jesus set his face. 
Why? And we know that Jesus set his face, not necessarily, he had to set his face to go to Jerusalem, to go to the cross. It wasn't because he was looking to enjoy the cross. Some, I think, really wanted to go to the cross. And again, well, if you look again in scripture, it says that he didn't want to, but his will was in line with the will of the Father. He didn't set his face to Jerusalem because of the cross. Why did he set his face to Jerusalem? Hebrews 12, 2 says this, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He didn't look forward to the cross. He endured the cross for what was on the other side. And what was on the other side? He said he just endured the cross, despising shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. What was on the other side of the cross? What was on the other side of the pain? It was, it was him creating a way for you and I to be together with him. And I think about that. What's on the other side of pain? It is, a, it is, a, it is an intervention of Jesus in our, it's, it's his appearance in that moment. It's not what he does, it's who he is. It's, it's not what he can do for you, it's to be with him so he can be with you. And Jesus set his face because what was before him is he made a way for you and I and he to be together. He set his face on the other side of the pain. Jesus leaned into his cross. He leaned into his challenge. He leaned into his circumstances because the joy that was set before him, the joy that you and I could be with him forever. It wasn't what he could do for you, but that he could be with you. And I hope that we get that today because we think those are one and the same and they're really not. But you and I are hesitant sometimes to look forward, to live forward, to move forward in faith because there might be pain in our future, what's in front of us. It's hard to see beyond the pain. In our humanity, it's hard to see beyond the pain. In fact, it's the pain that we anticipate or look forward to that will deter us or keep us from experiencing some of the things that God has for us. And looking forward to when my wife gave birth to my daughter, there was, we knew there was pain. In fact, we, we had that moment that we were in the, in the Lamaze class. We were able to sign up for the epidural, anticipating the pain. We, we, we signed up for permission to get the epidural that would take care of the pain. But the good thing, good and bad, the good was, her labor went so quickly, there wasn't time to get the epidural. The bad was she didn't have that, but she pushed through the pain for Callie's appearing. And I know it sounds kind of silly to say it that way, but the reality is that's what you and I do. We push through the pain for the appearing of Jesus to intervene in our life and our behalf in that moment. On the other side of our pain is our victory. On the other side of our pain is our promise. And I wonder sometimes if it's because we are more focused on what we receive from him than receiving him. And because if we're looking at what we receive from him or we look at for the answer instead of the appearing, then sometimes we might count the cost that it's not worth it to us. Well, it's not worth it that much pain if we're gonna have an answer in this way or an answer the way we think it should come, an answer when we think it should come, or we will determine maybe that we don't need to do that anymore because it's just too much cost associated or that we wanna do it in our own strength. And we got it all mixed up. It's not about the answer that he provides. It's about the appearing of himself with you and I. And the more I'm focused on the provision, the more I miss the provider. The more I'm focused on the healing, the more I miss the healer, the more focused I am on the deliverance, the more I miss the deliverer. Do I want his answer to my circumstances more than I want his appearing in my circumstances? And I love that. We push through the pain for his appearing. In other words, I need his appearing more than I need his answer. I need his presence more than I need his provision. I need his power more than I need his, than I need position because it's in his presence that I'm changed. It's in his presence that I'm free. It's in his presence that there's fullness of joy. It's in his presence that I am healed. It's in his presence that I'm delivered. And sometimes we get it reversed, but we need to eagerly long for his appearing and push through the pain because when we're motivated by being with him, we can endure. So look at what Jesus said in John, John 12, 27. He says this, now my soul is troubled. 
And this is Jesus speaking. Now my soul is troubled. I'm having a difficult time. I'm having a challenge right here. And what shall I say in the midst of my trouble? Father, save me, rescue me, get me out of here. Get me an answer now. But for this purpose, I came to for this hour. What he's saying is Jesus was in a moment experiencing things. And he said, he didn't, he didn't cry out. So what am I gonna do? Just leave? Hey, come rescue me. Give me the answer. Meet the need. Change the circumstance right now. He didn't say that. He says, no, I'm here. I'm gonna endure, I'm here. Because in my enduring, it goes on to say this in the next verse, actually in verse 28. It says, Father, glorify your name in me. Or Father, in me be glorified. In other words, it wasn't Father, rescue me. It was Father, be with me. Be with me in this moment. What we lose sight of is this, we lose sight of eagerly awaiting. Because his appearing, or eagerly awaiting his appearing, breeds endurance. It breeds expectation of good that enables us to endure difficult seasons like Jerusalem's for Jesus and like Jessamy for Callie. Eagerly awaiting her appearing enabled Jessamy to endure. It enabled Jessamy to push through the pain, to push through the pain, to push. I remember in there and those times and those contractions to push. And we tell her, push. And the nurses would say, push. And the doctor would say, push. Because what was on the other side was her appearing. I love that picture there. Have we lost that longing for his appearing? Just so, and I think about that, when, when it was pushed through the pain, just so Callie could be with us, push through the pain so you could hold her in her arm, push through the pain so you could see her face, push through the pain so you could be with her finally, push through the pain so you could hear her heart, push through the pain so you could look in her eyes, push through the pain so you could smell her, hear her, feel her life. Think about that for a moment. And if we will learn to push through the pain and long for his appearing, and it would be kind of a reverse scenario so we can feel his presence, so we can feel his arms, so we can look in his face, so we can look in his eyes of love, so he can hold us. Are we longing for his appearing? Are we longing for his answer? So we can just be with him. So we can feel that peace. We can feel that love. And it wasn't as if Callie could provide something physically or tangibly for us in that moment. Because the reality was she was incapable of that. But what we wanted, what we were filled with was this love that we had never experienced before. She could fill us overflowing with this. It wasn't as if we were longing for Callie's appearing so she could pay for all this, right? It was like that. But let me tell you, when my kids are 25, each one of them is getting a bill for everything associated with bringing them into this world. That's the least they can do for them being on the planet, right? It wasn't the, anything that Callie could do for us, but we just wanted her. We longed for her appearing, and that longing for her appearing enabled just me to push through the pain just to be with her. And I'm concerned that we're anchoring ourselves to, to what he does instead of who he is. And therefore, we question our faith because we're anchored in the wrong thing. Do we look eagerly forward to his answer or for what he can do for us instead of who he is for us? But when we eagerly look forward to his appearing or who he is to you and I, then we find the ability to set our face towards his appearing. And we find the strength to push through the pain. We find the strength, the motivation to endure. And when Jesme set her face to endure the labor and push through the pain, it was for Callie's appearing just so we could be together. So if we get it mixed up, we won't know how to endure. In fact, perhaps our inability to endure tough times is more about our faith being focused on what he does instead of who he is. And I wonder if we've lost what's really most important, that relationship piece, that relationship with him and who he is, not what he can do. And it's robbing us 
of our ability to endure because we get tired. We want to give up. We want to quit. We want to take things in our own strength and ability. And so when's the last time you've been thinking about, I just want to be with you? When's the last time you read the Bible just to know him better? When's the last time you prayed just to spend time communicating and then listening to him? When's the last time you really worshiped to feel his presence, even if it's in your living room, despite the circumstances, you're worshiping. And when's the last time you just got up this morning just to worship, to be with him in your living room, to be in his presence? When's the last time that you gave just showing your trust for him? When's the last time you served just so you could reveal his life, love, and power? Last verse in the Bible. It's interesting to me. All the way, the book of Revelation, all the way at the end, Revelation 22, verses 20 and 21. This is written by John, John the beloved. It was a vision that he had as he's putting it on paper. Look what he says in Revelation 22, 20. Here says this, he who testifies to these things says, yes, yes, Jesus says, yes, I'm coming soon. Jesus says, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. And he says, amen. And Paul's, I mean, I'm sorry, John's response. Well, amen, then come Lord Jesus, come. And I love that because I'm supposed to relate to this feeling or this emotional position that John finds himself in right here. I'm supposed to relate to that where Jesus says, yes, I'm coming soon that you and I would say, then come right now. Come Lord Jesus, come. But sometimes because we're not, we get things mixed up or looking for what he does instead of who he is. And now we're measuring our life differently. Well, no, we'll come, but don't come out now because there's still life I want to live. I'm just getting my business order. I'm just wanting, well, where John's emotional longing right there was for, well, then if you're going to come, come now. I don't care about my job. I don't care about, about my reputation. I don't care about my likes on social media. I don't care about my finances. I just want you to come. We didn't care about anything in that moment when Jesse, we was pushing for the appearing. We we're just like, it doesn't matter. Everything did not matter at that moment. We just endured. She just endured to push because we longed for her appearing. When's the last time you and I, it doesn't matter if you're a mom today or not. When's the last time we had an emotional response to this to our situation? Just come because of who you are in our life and we want to be with you. I'm supposed to be someone who's so in love with Jesus. I'm supposed to be someone who's so entangled with Jesus and not entangled with this world that when Jesus says, I'm coming soon, then something inside of me rises up and says, well, come, Lord Jesus, come. I want you to come right now, right in this moment, not because of what you do, but because of who you are. If you never answer anything for me in my life, then just come and be with me. Come now. Come now. Come now. Come now, you are the healer. Come now, you are the provider. Come now, you are the resource. It's not what you do, it's who you are. So come now. You are the deliverer. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And look what it says in the next verse, in verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. End of book, end of Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Grace is that special ability. Grace is that special favor of God that doesn't come from you, it comes from with God. It's something more than what your ability has. He says there's grace is there. So when you cry out, come Lord Jesus, come. There's grace to endure the circumstances. When you cry out, come now. There's grace to endure the pain, to push you the pain. When you cry out, come now Lord, come Lord Jesus, come. There's grace to be able to set your face unwaverly towards your Jerusalem, towards your challenge and not be moved to be able to push through the pain and to be able to experience his appearing. So set your face. The grace is there. Endure. The grace is there. Push through the pain. Push through the fear until his appearing. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And I love that story. I know that. 
That story was primarily written for the appearing to come and take us to heaven. But I believe the principle is still the same. I believe it's important for you and I to understand, and I think today is a great way to illustrate it. Today is a great way to understand it. And moms, and in what, whatever capacity that you're a mom, I believe that you understand this perhaps more than other people, that expectation eagerly looking forward to his appearing. I think all of us, as it says, that's what Paul says, for all those who would eagerly look forward to his appearing, because the reality is we all have something in our future, a prize that God has for you and I that we need to set our face towards the prize to endure and push through the pain. And the grace is there for you and I to do it. I just thought today that would be a great reminder for you and I that God's grace is yours today. His ability beyond your natural ability, you have to trust him, you have to press into him, you have to lean into him. Long for his appearing more than his answer. Long for the provider more than the provision. Long for the healer more than the healing. Long just to be with him. If you would cry out in your heart right now in the middle of your circumstances and you know what you're facing, you know there's real pain, you know there's real hurt in front of you, but long for the prize on the other side of the pain. Long for him. He'll meet you where you're at. He'll meet you in your pain and he'll meet you in your future because he's a good and faithful God. My heart, my hope in the message today was to use this moment, this day that we honor and celebrate our moms and why I feel that they, more than anybody else, perhaps understands this principle of eagerly longing for an appearing. But really the principle is for all of us. So I wanna encourage you today to dig into that relationship with Jesus. Long for him, not for what he can do. And as we close this out, I wanna just encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with him, how does this apply? How can you even experience it without a relationship? You need to have a relationship first to understand who he is. And we just want him, everything else comes from him. We just wanna be with him. Everything else flows from just being with him. But it begins in a moment of just a simple prayer. And God made it so simple so no one would miss out. But he says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you shall be saved. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few moments, a commitment prayer, where we're going to do exactly what the Bible says. But I want to challenge you before that. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. You certainly do, and God certainly does. Are you at that place that you've invited him in to be the Lord of your life? Or even maybe now, and and where you've been at in, in your humanity, at some place that you just need to begin your relationship. So you're saying, come into my life. Come now. Come save me. Come deliver me from my sin. Come do what you came to do. I mean, that's a starting point for you today. You cannot remember a moment in time that you invited him in to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Well, today is your day. And maybe you were at grandma's one summer and she took you to PBS or whatever that looks like. You can't be sure, but today you can be sure that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Everything else flows from that. Or maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what, pastor, I've prayed that salvation prayer before, but it seems like he's a million miles away. I want to encourage you. He will never leave you or forsake you. But sometimes we get off track, off course with the things of God and we need to get back on track, back on course. We might say, rededicate, recommit our life. Maybe that's you today. Wherever you might find yourself in any one of those categories, I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment, just as I said. But the power in the prayer is attaching your heart to it. Now, I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to, I'm going to say it slow enough, I hope, that you can either repeat it or you can just grab it in your heart and pray from your heart and own it just as if you were speaking to God. And he'll do what only he can do. He sees your heart. He comes in, changes and transforms you from the inside out. But before we get there, especially on 
this Mother's Day, and I cannot think of a greater time, perhaps, than your whole family coming to Jesus and praying this prayer than today. Moms, maybe you take the lead. Dads, the leader in the home, whoever you are, maybe you take the lead and you ask the rest of the family gathered there. Do you know? Have you invited Jesus in? Do you know? You know what would be great for mom today is if this whole family knew Jesus today. Moms, what maybe you would say? You know, it would be the best present you could give me on Mother's Day is saying yes to Jesus. Whatever that looks like in your home, just take a moment and ask. But don't miss this opportunity for your whole family to come to the knowledge of Jesus. There is no greater thing. And then you can live life forward and forward in faith. And yes, there'll be pain ahead of you, but there's a prize on the other side. And the grace of God will be with you if you set your face and stay focused on his appearing instead of his answer. You have the ability to endure. So I'm going to pray this prayer. Pray it with me. Pray it after me. Repeat it after me. Mean it from the bottom of your heart. And let's let God be God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus is your son sent to the earth to die on a cross, to pay for my sin, and then go to a grave and rise again in victory. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for dying. Thank you for paying for my sin and thank you for rising again so I can be free. So Jesus, I ask you now, come into my heart, come into my life, forgive me of my sin, be my Savior and Lord now and forever. I receive you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, everybody. Amen. All heaven is rejoicing for those who have prayed. And I'm telling you what, we're celebrating it too. I hope you're celebrating it in your home. If anything that you've experienced today, this will be your loudest shout. Your loudest shout of your whole family coming to the knowledge of Jesus. And all that he has for you is in front of you. So step step into the grace. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.